pray together. Dear Lord, you are here in your Holy Spirit. You're at work in this church by your Holy Spirit. You're speaking to every life in this room by your Holy Spirit. You're at work to redeem and restore your world by the work of your Holy Spirit. The only way you build your church is by your Holy Spirit. So we pray uh, not only that we would see you more and hear you more by your Holy Spirit, but that your Spirit would work more here and in this city and that we would feel His presence, hear His voice. You'd reconcile us. You'd restore us. You'd wash us anew. You'd wake us up on these spring mornings and just see Your vital and living hands on our lives, in our jobs, in our relationships, in this city, in this church, in this world. And it would renew us where we would say amen and hallelujah each morning. Pray that for us. I pray that for me. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. May we see it and know it. Amen. Thank you all. You can have a seat. And take a Bible, or if you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 14. John 14. I'm going to read something with verse 15 in that chapter. We are today uh, starting a new series, a series that will take us through Lent. And if you don't know what Lent is, Lent is the the season, uh, the 40 days leading up to Easter weekend, Good Friday Easter Sunday. So this is a Lenten series, a series that's tied to uh, what happens on Easter, and we're calling it Last Night. Last Night. And each Sunday, we're going to look at different scenes that happened in the last night before Jesus went to the cross. And my hope, uh, our hope as staff, is that as a church, in these 40 days, in these, I guess, five Sundays, we would journey together walking to the cross and really really living and experiencing that night and seeing what happened. I, I told my staff, you know, there, there's some things in this last night that honestly I've never preached on. Uh, I've never preached on uh, what happened in Gethsemane in the garden. I've never preached on Peter's denial. I've never preached on Jesus before Pilate and the Sanhedrin. And usually, you know, we'll preach a lot on Jesus and we'll skip right to the cross. Well, these... Next few weeks, we're focusing on what happened the night before Jesus went to the cross. So I'm very excited about it, and I pray God will use this time and use these messages to make this Easter, this first Easter in our new home, uh, more powerful than ever before. I pray that you would join me in that prayer. Today, we start with, go back to the Last Supper, and when Jesus promised His disciples and us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He promised the Holy Spirit to us in our lives for this world. And here is what he says, John 14, and I'm going to begin in verse 15 and read through verse 27. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, 
even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Uh, now let me be clear before going forward. This is a, this is a different message, uh, a different sermon. Uh, different in the sense of, if you were here last week, and I used a big visual, not going to do that. Uh, there's, this sermon is going to blend a bit more teaching uh, with the preaching, and I do that because I really want to try to be as clear as possible in one message what or who the Holy Spirit is and how He can work in our lives. So I'm going to be teaching a lot. I'm going to be using the screens more, throwing up uh, different Scripture, and I'm going to ask you to take notes and follow along. So again, kind of a different message, a different tone, but it is important and it's very vital to me to help you be clear or as clear as possible today by the Holy Spirit, who He is. So, that being said, all of us, I think, face two problems or two challenges uh, if, if we're a Christian. Uh, those two, the first one is, and, and I get asked this all the time, like, you know, I get God, you know, God, Creator, and, and even if I wasn't a Christian, you know, I mean, agnostic, I mean, I know that some higher power, I, I get that, I'm tracking with you. And I get Jesus. I mean, you know, we see Jesus, we have images of Jesus, we got this great one right uh, above us here. And so, you know, I can kind of, I get Jesus and His words, but Holy Spirit, I mean, wh- what is that? I mean, the Spirit, and it's holy, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really get the Holy Spirit. It's kind of, uh, it's, it's vague, or a word I like to use is, is nebulous, or, you know, like, just, what, what is it? Um, I get asked that, and, and honestly... Uh, we, can, we can think that. I mean, you know, Jesus is pretty clear in Scripture. I mean, what he says and the image. I mean, God, you know, you kind of believe in a higher power. But Holy Spirit, we get trapped up. The second challenge or problem that we have is that I believe no matter if we're a Christian or not, we feel lonely. We can feel lonely. No matter, you know, you got all the friends in the world, get invited to all the right parties, uh, no matter even, you got this wonderful church family uh, that will surround you like we did with the Sanders and come together. We can feel lonely and isolated. It's a consequence of sin. Our heart longs for something that we, 
we're singing about. It is ultimately Jesus. But the devil, the enemy, tricks us, and we, we get isolated, and we get, we get lonely. Those are two problems, two challenges that all of us face. This passage answers both of those. I mean, it, it really does. You know, you just read over, okay. But this passage answers those. It answers what the Holy Spirit is. It answers how we don't have to be alone. Look what it says. Jesus says, I will give you the helper. He's going to help us to be with us forever. Did that say like for a couple months? Did that say for a season? Did that say come and go? Forever. He will be in you. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus comes to us in the Holy Spirit. He says, one of my favorite verses, because I live, you will live. That we get our life in the Holy Spirit. That I am in you. He says, we will come to this person who who keeps my words, who keeps my commands, and make our home with him. Verse 23. He calls him the helper again, the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, he will help you. He is there to help you. Some translations call it counselor, some comforter, helper, counselor, comforter. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all I've said to you. He brings us the words of Jesus. He teaches us. He illuminates the gospel, the message of the Bible. He illuminates Scripture, the Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you. The Holy Spirit gives us peace even in our darkest Moments, not like the world would give. He says, don't be troubled. Do not be afraid. You don't have to because of the Holy Spirit. Helper, be with you. Don't have to be alone. Don't have to be afraid. We'll teach you all of that we have in the Holy Spirit. So I could just say amen. Let's go get an early lunch. Chris, head to the beach early. Enjoy spring break, right? All right you're like, Let's, I'm tracking with you. I want to do a little bit more, okay? Not too long, but a little bit more. Yes, it says all that, but I really want to try. I mean, I really want to try today to, as best of my broken, humble self, clarify and specify who the Holy Spirit is, what we get in Him, what He gives us, how we get it, who He is, what we get, how do we get it, okay? There's three things, and then enjoy spring break. First off, who He is, and I want to start with using now you think Holy Spirit, I want to use some words. They're not literal because they're not necessarily literal things, but images that, that we can relate to. And it, look, it's not just because I'm brilliant. I'm just getting these from Scripture, okay? Things that Jesus called the Holy Spirit. Things that God's Word calls the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is a whisper. Or should I say a whisper? Whisper. A verse up on screen, 1 Kings 19, 11 through 12. This is going back to the time of Elijah in the Old Testament. And Elijah was running from a king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel, and really running from the Lord and the Lord's call too. And the Lord confronts him. How does he confront him? It says, Behold, the Lord passed by, a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the sound of the fire, a whisper. And the Lord was in a whisper. I say that, I use that because I want to ask us, do we get quiet enough to hear the Holy Spirit? We, we probably live in this time, in this season, this world. 
it is louder than ever. I'm not trying to be loud, but it's, the world is louder than ever. Uh, loud in noise, loud in stuff, uh, loud in choices. You know, go there, do this. We've got all these choices, opportunities. It's loud. And to hear the Holy Spirit and to know the Holy Spirit, we've got to get quiet so that he can whisper to us and that we hear God in a whisper. We see him. We build this relationship with him. So I encourage us, I plead with us, get quiet. Hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Take time. Get away. What I like to call a power outage. You know a power outage when they just all go, have a power outage. Hear the whispering of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's a whisper. Holy Spirit is also a breath. A breath. John 20, 22. Jesus said, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is breath. It's like, what? how do you mean Holy Spirit's breath? And you could even say like, okay, that's great. Jesus breathed on them, but you know, Jesus isn't here. You just said it. The Holy Spirit is. So how can Jesus breathe on us and therefore how can I receive the Holy Spirit? What's interesting about that word breathe is it is the same word going all the way back to Genesis when it says God breathed into Adam's nostrils and gave him life. And it is the same word, it's the same exact Greek word, 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says all Scripture is God breathed. God breathed. As in like, Spirit is life. Breath is life. No breathing, no living. Holy Spirit is life. And I tie that to Jesus' life. Do you let Jesus breathe on you? As in, do you get your life from Jesus? It is very easy to not get our life on or from Jesus. It's very easy to, you know, what we call play church. You know, come and, you know, get my shot or get my lip. You know, do you let Jesus breathe on you? Do you get your life from Jesus? It's the Holy Spirit. Do you go to Him? Do you run to Him? We sang about it. His arms are open. Is your life in Jesus, tied up to Jesus? It can be. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. It's how we get our life. It is true life. We talk about true life, fulfilled life, a life of purpose. And you've got to get quiet, hear His whisper, to be in heaven is life. Holy Spirit's a whisper. The Holy Spirit is a breath. And the Holy Spirit is wind and fire. Wind and fire. Acts 2, verse 2 through 4, says, And suddenly, and these were the disciples right after Jesus had ascended, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire literally appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What's interesting about this is you can contrast whisper to wind and fire. You know, it's like polar opposites. One is quiet. This is loud and power. And the Holy Spirit can come in both. The Holy Spirit can come with power, with strength, with might, with flames. Uh, John Wesley, a great uh, Christian leader, when he was saved, he was at a church service. And what's interesting about John Wesley is he thought he was saved for like decades of his life. And he was a preacher too, not saying anything, but he was a preacher too of the Church of England, and he wasn't saved. 
And he was at this little church service in London. And he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. When he had the moment, he said the Holy Spirit flooded his heart. Strangely warmed. Then he would say later, is all I want to do is preach the gospel. And it's like God struck a match and just set me on fire. And all I want to do is people come and just watch me burn with the fire of Jesus. Holy Spirit can be as soft as a whisper, as powerful as wind and fire. The rushing of the wind. The heat of the fire burning in a heart, in a life. That is who the Holy Spirit is. It's a whisper. He's breath. He's life. He's wind and fire. What do we get? I mean, what, what do we like get out of the Holy Spirit? What does He give us? What are we given in the Holy Spirit? What do we get out of the Holy Spirit? We get words. First off, we get words. Luke 12, 11-12 says, Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This was Jesus talking to His disciples. And I ask us, do you ever go into a situation where you're just like, man, I don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, maybe it is a hard conversation. Uh, maybe it's like a hard business meeting. Uh, maybe it's a you know a, a you know a come to Jesus meeting with a spouse or a family meeting. You're like I just I don't know what's going to go down. Do we trust in the Holy Spirit that He will give us the words to say? That He will literally speak through us? That He will give us words in our minds? I, look, I promise you, this has happened to me on, on too many times to count, and. It's not necessarily up here. I'll tell a story about that in a minute. But it is in situations like pastorally where you go in. Uh, or, look, a, a great, great way for you to get this is, you know, you go in and there's a family and they've just lost a loved one. What do you say? Or you go into a hospital room and it's about to happen. What do you say? And I, all I've done is I've just prayed, man. Just, God, just give me the words. And I trust God will. All right, look, I, do, I go into a hard meeting. I mean, a hard meeting where someone, a brother, is like caught up in sin, and it's like bad sin, and they're, you know, disobeying, or they're disagreeing, or they're saying, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. What do you say? I trust in the Holy Spirit. Now, there, there's a story, true story, about a preacher who was going to take this verse uh, literally, as in like, you know, okay, I'm not going to prepare at all for the message. God promises the Holy Spirit, I'm going to come before my church, my church family, and I'm going to just, you know, let the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I trust He'll speak through me, and, you know, it's going to be the, the greatest message, greatest sermon ever. And he said, he got up there, and he said, you know, I heard the Holy Spirit you know, clearer than ever before, speaking with strength and with might and with power, and you know what he said? He said, prepare, prepare, prepare. True story. Now, I say that, I tell you that story, because you can take this verse a little, like, you need some time before with the Holy Spirit to kind of get in tune. That's what I mean when I say I enter a room or a situation, and I'm like, I don't, you know, and I pray beforehand. And I was like, man, I, you know, I think, you know, God gave us minds for a reason. Holy Spirit, fill my mind. Give me words. And He will give you thoughts, ideas, connections. Maybe a, a story you read uh, long ago. Maybe a verse you read. Just that, you know, things will happen 
You're like, how that happens? Holy Spirit. And you start trusting. He gives us the words. Say. Now then, not only does he give us words, he gives us power. The Holy Spirit gives you power. Acts 1.8, one of my favorite verses, says, but you will, Jesus says to his disciples, receive power when? Not, like not when you get all your learning or not when you, you know, get all, all strong or not when you have the best. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Holy Spirit gives us power, supernatural power, power not of this world. You're like, well, power for what? Power, as he said, to be his wit- power to go. Power to go. Ties into words. To go into conversations. To go into relationships. To go into rooms that we might not enter on our own. To, to get up some mornings, honestly. The power to get up. I don't know about y'all, but I mean, some mornings I don't want to get up. And it's not a physical deal, deal, it's an emotional deal. I mean, we can struggle and battle with depression. The Holy Spirit gives us power to go. Get up. Wake up. Go into this world. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I will give you the strength. I will give you the power. Rest in me. Trust in me. Holy Spirit gives power. A brag on our church, uh, Bellwether... Uh, there was a, a young lady uh, who comes here. I don't think she's here today. She's probably at the beach or skiing or something like that. But anyway, she comes here and a friend of hers said, you know, so-and-so was bragging so much on Bellwether. And this was a, a, a while back. I mean, you know, six months or so. And I was like, well, why? What did she have to say? It was interesting what he said. He said, she said, folks from Bellwether, man, they will just, uh, they'll like go anywhere with, with no fear. So, you know, I thought he was being like, yeah, we go to Honduras, and now we've started this India mission and all that. But he said, no, he's like, go into situations. Because uh, she gave an example, and we used to have a, a B group, a small group, that met at a bar, and uh, it was heavily concentrated with a lot of, um, not necessarily unbelievers, but people who had some real questions, deep questions. Uh, and there were some agnostics there. And we kind of set the tone, like, okay, you can throw any question on the table, you know, we're not going to be afraid, and we're not also going to diminish that question. We're going to respect it and not be like, you know, holier than thou, or, you know, we got all the answers. So come, bring your questions, uh, bring your friends, and, you know, also it was at a bar, and so, you know, people were doing what people do at bars, and, you know, she said, you know, they're just not afraid to go anywhere, and I, that wouldn't mean overseas, but anywhere, and into any conversation, and, and I love that, and I want that to grow at Bellwether. Why? It's like, you know, why don't... Why should we be afraid? If the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit is what Jesus says in John 14, then His power is at work, and it's much greater than me or, or any of us. And we can trust in that. And we can go. Now, we need to be equipped, the family of a church. We need to grow in our relationship. We need to grow in knowledge of God's Word. That's what church and teaching and groups are for. But we can go and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does He give us? He gives us words. He gives us power, and He gives us gifts. He gives us gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. This is Paul writing to a church at Corinth. It's in present-day Greece. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. It's the same God who empowers all and everyone. To each is given the man for 
the common good. Listen, let me be very, very clear about this. If you are a Christian, if you're like, you know, you know done the deal, baptized, Jesus in my heart, you have a gift. You probably have more than one gift, but you at least have one gift. Paul, in this, uh, later in this chapter, he goes through these gifts. Gifts of faith, uh, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, gifts of wisdom, gifts of discernment. And what is very interesting is before you were a Christian, you had some abilities that kind of tied into your gifts. But when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit, and I I believe this and I've seen it, literally like fuses and shapes those abilities to a more powerful gift. My wife has a strong gift of, I'll just say it, discernment. Uh, She discerns when I'm kind of out of line. And she she does that readily. But we were talking about this over the weekend, like this gift... Like, I, it, I mean, it's not that funny, but anyway, she, uh, I'm not that much out of line. I, was, I didn't even think I'd get any laughs out of that. So, but what she does, or what we were talking about, is we were like, you know, before she was a Christian, and if you know her story, she, she became a Christian later in life, and she said, you know, it, it has been interesting that I had these kind of abilities and could, you know, think conceptually or see things, but as a Christian, God really has shaped and harnessed that and made me more discerning. I do think that's how it is. Like, he takes abilities, strengths, that God gave us, he created us, but then the Holy Spirit changes those and makes them more powerful and, and greater for the furthering of his kingdom. For, that verse said, for the manifestation of the common good. The common good. Good of the church. Good of the world. What does the Holy Spirit give us? What do we get? You know, you're always thinking, what do we get out of this relationship? You get a lot. You get words, you get power, you get gifting. So last, how do, how do we get this? Again, trying to be as clear as I can. How do we get this? How do we get these things? You know, I know, become a Christian, but like, how do we get it daily, weekly? What do we got to do? There are some things we got to do. We got to believe. We have got to believe. We got to believe that the Holy Spirit has great things in store for this church, store for your life, store for the city. And when we believe and trust in Him, He will bring it to bear. He will use us. He'll use our giftings. We will use the words He gives us. You've got to believe. And we've got to believe that we're not alone. I mean, there is a, you know, we do have this deal. It's, it's in our brokenness. We get lonely. Look, you can be married, you know, two kids, minivan, all that. Lonely. Be lonely. You've got to believe. We're not alone. One thing uh, I'll never forget, uh, I've had two opportunities in my life when I was younger to live overseas, uh, um, one in a year in France and another year in Australia, and I'm not getting into those, but two things happened that I'll never forget. One, when I was 20, I was in France for a year, and I, you know, I got to travel around, I was pretty much always just kind of me in a backpack, and I'd be on a train, I'd be meeting folks, and I'll never forget, I came back, I guess it was over Christmas or something, I was talking to my pastor, and I was like, you know... Meeting all these folks and having, you know, in and out of relationships or, in and, you know, just lonely, you know, just lonely, you know, just by myself, by myself, you know, all the time. And, I mean, the experience is great, but I said, I've never, like, experienced loneliness like this. And he said something I'll never forget. It's like, yes, I mean, loneliness is a very real feeling, but you've got to believe you're never alone. You're never alone with God in the Holy Spirit. Loneliness is a real legit feeling. But the more we believe that we're not alone, I think the, the less we feel lonely. 
or at least I do. So you've got to believe he's here. He's going to be with Mark Sanders as he goes off. He's going to be with Susanna. They're not alone. They're not alone. You've got to believe. You also have to fall. Fall. And this can be a couple ways. Sometimes, unfortunately, we have to like fall in our lives. Like we, we, we've, We're all fallen creatures, but I'm talking about fall uh, in a work situation, in a marriage situation, in a family situation. In relational, we we fall and we say, I I can't do it. I can't get up anymore. I can't pick myself up. God, you're going to have to do it for me. We fall, so the only way that we can look is is up. And we have to fall to feel him pick us up and carry us. But it's not only just falling in our life, and I hope that doesn't happen, but unfortunately, and I've seen it does over and over again in our our world, also fall on our knees. I mean, it's why the altars are here. It's why we encourage you not to just take communion. Fall on your knees. Cry out to the Lord. Say, God, I need you in this situation. I need the words. Show me the gifts you've given me. I need you. Fall on our knees. The other experience when I was overseas was in Australia. And so far from home, and uh, someone I was close to uh, died. I couldn't afford to take it back and was fairly, I was kind of fairly far from God too at that time. But I had a semblance of a relationship with him. So I fell on my knees in my little room, on my little bed. Crowds of guys like, you know, God, you know, heal my hurt and heart. And I can't be there for comfort. I can't be there to get comfort. Like nobody knows this person. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm just here. And never forget, you know, literally felt a touch on my shoulder, a touch. Now, I believe it's the touch of the Holy Spirit. And when we fall, and we're true about it, and we're repentant, He will touch us. You might feel it literally. You will feel it literally in your heart. He'll touch you. We have to fall. We have to fall. So we believe, we fall, and we awake. Because a life in the Holy Spirit is literally waking up to a new way of seeing the world. And I think often we, we just sleepwalk through life. I mean, I can say I, I do. I mean, we're like we sleepwalk through life. I mean, it's why, honestly, like Honduras has been such a big ministry. Is people go down there, and it, it is like really Holy Spirit-fused, empowered. You know, you're out of your comfort zone. It is a beautiful setting, but it's hot. You see all this poverty, but then, you know, we worship together, and you're just getting tight. You just see the Holy Spirit, and it's like you wake up and see, wow, this, this world is a different place. The Holy Spirit does work in mighty ways. He can work in my life. He is doing things and orchestrating things. And even if I can't see it or know about it, I might see it a year down the road. Or five, I trust in that. I believe in that. Five years, ten years. You wake up. It's a new way of seeing. It's a new way of living. And it is believing. It's following. It's waking up. So I'd say to us, wake up. Wake up on the spring breaks. Wake up. What the Holy Spirit's doing or not. Wake up! That's what He's doing in the church. I see the Holy Spirit. I've seen Him a lot. I've seen Him in Honduras when we gathered there for worship. And it's like, you know, this shoddy tin roof, and you start hearing the rain and it's loud, and then voices of praise are louder. I've seen it, I've seen Him uh, in India, and even a little smaller. I was there with Kendall Poole. 
Kendall didn't know I was calling her out. I was there with you, Kendall, and seeing a little shack. People were praising, and a hundred miles down the road, they'd like to kill Christians. People were praising and worshiping and honoring God's Word. I don't just see it overseas and far from places. I see them here every Sunday, regardless of the Sunday, in worship, as you come and take communion, in God's Word. I see them in hospital rooms. I see them going into a hospital room and someone, a family member is going to be with the Lord. Or I'll see him in a hospital room as a new life is coming into this world. I see him in groups where they meet a bar or a house or the church and people talk and wrestle and love on one another and ask tough questions and pray for one another. I see him in conversations, even conversations over email or, Lord, even over Facebook. And people are talking and interacting. And people have questions. And I'll address them. I see the hand of the Holy Spirit. Do you? Do you see His hand? Do you see His work? Jesus said, last verse. It's not going to be up on the screen. John 16, 7. He said, it is to your advantage or it is better that I go away or else the Helper would not come. Can you believe, can we believe, can we fathom that we got it better now than when Jesus walked the earth? That's what He said. Don't take my word, Jesus' word. That now we have, and the disciples didn't have this, God's word, they were busy writing it. We have the church empowered by the Holy Spirit and we have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, you got it better now. Do you believe that? Are you awake? Are you really awake? Many of us sleepwalk through life. God's Word, Jesus, promises us so much more. Helper, be with us forever. You will not be alone. You do not have to be troubled, nor do you have to be afraid. He will teach you everything. He will bring you into everything that I've said. I will be in you. He will be there. He will help. He will counsel. He will comfort. That is what we have in Jesus. And it begins and ends in Jesus. That God even though he saw us in our broken selves, said, you know, my son, you're going to go to them. And you're not just going to hang out and be with them. You're going to, you're going to go to the cross for them. So that then when God looks at us, he says, as I talked about last week, I see Jesus and what he's done. And we're white at snow. And he says, so I'm going to empower you by the Spirit. Begin with Jesus. And when you begin there, he sends us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will convict you of Jesus. The only way any of you will be, as we call, saved is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So to ask you now as we close, what is God saying to you in your heart? Or is your heart too loud? He's saying something. He's saying, come to me. Come to Jesus. God will grow a new life. God will wake you up where you see the world in a totally different way. In Him, by the Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that we have in your spirit. And I pray that those of us who sleepwalk through this life would wake up. Would wake up to your power by the Holy Spirit. Would wake up to your presence by the Holy Spirit. Would wake up to your peace by the Holy Spirit. And we would believe that you give us the words to say. And you give us the power to get up and go. And you give us the gifts to be used in very special ways of all of us who call ourselves by your name in this world for your glory. 
Help us get there and wake up to a life in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.